Welcome back to Platonically Intimate Season 3, Episode 2. I hope you guys have had a fantastic two weeks racking your brain for the answer of the inaugural poetry puzzle. Uh, we are back today with hopefully better audio quality because I didn't mess up this one. <laughs> and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be your host, Isaac. Along with me here is your co-host, Joe. Yep. I, I'm glad that uh, we'll actually be back to stereo again for this. Yeah. Um, I remember going into the first episode and being like, oh, I'm a producer level. That's cool. I can mess with all the settings and stuff. And then we got done and we were like, oh, no. We briefly thought that we lost the whole episode, which those of you who have listened to episode one will know that it's a long one. So we were like, <laughs> what do we do now? We just lost the longest episode yeah. we've ever made. Yep. It would have given us a very fun opportunity to re-record an episode, which we would not want to do. Mm-hmm. But I think if we ever did it, we would do it in a obvious and intentional way. Like yeah, we would actually listen to what we did, write down like a hard script and then like <laughs> stick to the hard script and make like the least organic sounding thing ever <laughs> as a, as a 40 minute joke, just a 40 minute test to see if you can make it through listening to us. Be like, wow, Isaac, that's crazy. <laughs> I didn't know I that. Have, I have never heard that before. <laughs> I'm going to hop into our first subject. Um, Our first subject is something you've probably heard of. Sometimes it goes by the name OK or K or Okie Dokie, A-OK, KK, OK, Okie Doke. Today we're talking about something that has been claimed to be the most worldwide known word. It is used in almost every language. The first word spoken on the moon. It is claimed to be the most typed word in the history of the planet. Okay. Wow. Now, where does okay come from? That's what we're talking about today. Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Anyway, time for fun facts with Joe. (laughs) 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 Anyways, that was it. Goodbye. Well, that's the end of the episode. So today we're talking about something called etymology. Etymology is kind of like the, the genealogy of a word. And... Etymology is sometimes very straightforward. Sometimes people are like, oh, uh, we, we looked at the etymology of explicit last time. We thought about talking mm-hmm. about it, but it said from the Latin explicitus, meaning to make clear. And we're like, well, that's okay. That's pretty easy. That's like half um, of the etymology of like a bunch of English words. <laughs> yeah. So, okay is much more complex than that. And it took a lot more work to track it down. But most scholars believe that they have found the true origin of the word. So some people believed that uh, the word okay come from, came from the Choctaw Indian language, um, a word that they said that was pronounced okay. And the English translation of that phrase is, it is so. They would say it in response to someone telling them something, to affirm that they acknowledged it right. and agree with them. Pretty, pretty standard meaning of okay. Amen. Um, however, Due to various research that I don't have time to get into, people believe that it did not come from that. Ah. Then some people found some West African languages that uh, had people from the regions that these languages were spoken had become slaves in the United States. Um, the Wolof and Bantu languages had a phrase called Wake, 
that once again had almost the identical meaning. Uh, and the Mande language had a phrase. Uh, this is two words, okay, uh, which is sounds very similar to the Choctaw okay. And um, it has also kind of been disproven that these are where okay came from. However, there is another language um, where they have an almost identical word, which means almost the exact same thing. The Scottish ok I means oh yes. But once again, that is not where the English okay has come from. Oh my goodness. So the reason that they're kind of saying that they don't come from these languages is they're mostly coincidences. Um, oh, okay. It's a pretty simple phrase. Yeah. And a lot of languages, like there are thousands and thousands of languages. So the fact that three related languages from Africa have a word that's similar, not a big deal. Um, Scottish has a decent amount of English influence, same deal. Um, the Choctaw is kind of separated from all that. But once again, one coincidence, not a big deal. So people also were trying to figure out um, why this would have been created. Um, language is literally made up, but somebody made it up for a reason. Right. And so it all came down to a fad in the 1830s where people in high society would try to be as ironic as possible. And <laughs> sounds like they, my kind of place. <laughs> they thought that it had like this super high tier of humor that like helped <laughs> keep them in the top tiers of society. Man, if the know. internet was around back then. Yes. A ton of my research uh, for this made direct parallels to the modern internet, which is hilarious. To That's me. awesome. So newspapers played a big role in this. Uh, they were trying to put forth wit and wordplay in a lot of their articles. And they would actually put like secret messages in the articles sometimes. Like very, very brief. And message is even maybe a stretch to say. But very brief things that people would have to know and be on the inside of the joke to fully understand their articles. So there would just be like a sentence that doesn't really make sense unless you know what the joke is. Right. And there was a group of people known as the Anti-Bell Ringing Society in Boston. Now, the Anti-Bell Ringing Society was a group of people who were protesting a law that banned dinner bells within the city limits of Boston. Once again, the name of their very organization is complete irony because that right. is the opposite of what they stood for. However, uh, the Anti-Bell Ringing Society got a lot of prominence and became very well known inside and outside of Boston um, for a lot of the shenanigans that they pulled. They, right. they would get together and then they would do stupid stuff and then get in the papers and be like, oh, the Anti-Bell Ringing Society did this. And then right. uh, people either knew that it was fake and they were making a joke or they'd be like, wow, first of all, why does this society exist? Second, I don't want to be associated with them. <laughs> so a uh, very high tier of like ironic humor. Catholics against seedless watermelons. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, newspapers started to put a lot of this wit and wordplay in and they eventually got to this type of humor where they would misspell words and then they would turn the misspelled words into an acronym and they would insert the acronym in the middle of their sentence. And unless you knew 
what words were misspelled oh. to make that acronym, you would have no idea what it stood for. Large-scale so, inside jokes. Yes, yes. And so some common ones were KG, which stood for no-go. Uh, no as in K-N-O-W. Right. Uh, K-Y as in no use. Uh, use is spelled Y-O-O-S, I guess. Um, one of them that did not age well. Uh, KKK, which stands for <laughs> Commit No Nuisance. <laughs> Another one, OW, standing for All Right. OLL, and then Right starting with a W. And finally, the topic of today's section, OK, standing for All Correct. Hmm. Now, this this fad, like all fads, eventually wound down. People kind of moved on. They're like, wow, that's right. kind of a lame joke. Like That was wow. a funny joke, but now it's getting old. Yeah. However, all correct became like worldwide phenom. People in every language say this now. Right. So how did it huh. get to that level of prominence? It all comes down to Martin Van Buren, old kinderhook. So Martin Van Buren in 1840, which was right at the tail end of this fad, was right. running for re-election, and it was not going very well. And so people all around the United States knew OK as all correct. And he previously had a nickname, Old Kinderhook, uh, because he is from Kinderhook, New York. And so he started going by this nickname and he abbreviating it as OK and making like a multi-meaning campaign slogan. Oh, and okay. so uh, people would say everything's okay with Martin. And then that was, that was a big campaign slogan. Uh, people who supported him also would form these things called okay clubs. And they would just like get together and talk about politics. I don't know. Pretty boring Talk about stuff, his but... probably baller facial hair he had or something. If yeah. He's a, yeah. <laughs> if he's a lawyer in the 1860s. He, he did have some... Some baller face. Some mutton chops or something. <laughs> yes, he did have mutton chops. Unfortunately, the opposing political party, I can never remember my political parties of the 1830s and 40s, but the opposing political party knew that old Kinderhook's predecessor, Andrew Jackson, was often bullied in the newspapers for being illiterate. Now, he was not illiterate. However, he was a very bad speller. And so the joke comes full circle. Right. And they said his oh, campaign no. slogan is about the people in his party at the very top who don't know how to spell. <laughs> and so the campaign slogan ended up getting flipped on him. But once again, it comes down to the newspapers. This got so much widespread attention that it, it just entered into vernacular. It left the newspaper page and it got into people's mouths. And um, okay. Just became a nationwide thing and eventually spread to the ends of the earth. That's baller. All because some guy wanted a, an awesome uh, political campaign ad, and he was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this one thing that got popular from the equivalent of the internet meme pages yep. of the time." Yep. What a time to be alive. <laughs> uh huh. I feel like that's also around the same time where that comic or not that that joke got posted in a newspaper that's like, hey, did you hear about the gorilla that escaped the zoo? <laughs> no, I haven't. And then it just says muffled sounds of gorilla violence. 
I think that's evidence enough that they were they were <laughs> centuries ahead in terms of their humor. I think so. Yeah, but the original. I like text I post. like that it that's the the accepted place that okay came from because uh, most of those other ones do sound like coincidence because like in each language there's probably like over a dozen ways to say all right got it mm-hmm. sounds good mm-hmm. gotcha and exactly. very short ways too with hard sounds that will just also be mirrored in other languages mm-hmm. but only one could rule them all <laughs> the one sound to rule them all. <laughs> yeah, to bind them <laughs> well anyway i would like to move on to my favorite section of the podcast Fun facts with the Joe. Hans Nilsson Langseth holds the record for the longest recorded beard at 17 and a half feet. Dang. That's yeah. that's pretty solid. He donated it to the Smithsonian when he died in like the <laughs> eight. I yeah. <laughs> I should what? He donated it to the Smithsonian in, I think it was the 1920s. Do they still have it? I have no idea. I don't know. I haven't <laughs> I haven't talked at the Smithsonian recently. Oh, okay. I'll, call, I'll ask him next time I call him up. <laughs> <laughs> you have Hans length of 17 and a half foot beard somewhere. <laughs> to their anthropology department, I'm guessing. That's so long. How do you like, how do you how do function? You, I don't know. Like I, I have how to did believe. he wear it? I think if I remember seeing pictures, he braided it. I think okay, that so takes off a always, amount of length. Yeah, it wasn't always seventeen and a half feet, and I think obviously it wasn't all of his hairs. I don't think it was a very full beard that got to the seventeen. And a half. It tapered yeah. a lot, you know. Yeah, yeah. He probably had like a couple hairs that got to that full seventeen and a half foot length. That's but you gotta like layer it like a like a scarf or something or like uh huh. What is it? The flinth in the Lorax or whatever it's called? <laughs> uh, does your beard hang low? Does it wobble to the pro? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh. He just he just tied it into a bow tie. It was it was high fashion of the twenties. Yes, I'm sure it was. He scored so many flappers with that. <laughs> I bet he did. In Winemere, North Dakota. I'm sure he was the talk of the town. Wait, he was from North Dakota? Uh, I don't remember where he was from. He died in Winemere. I know Whoa. that. Wow. I I don't know if he actually lived there. Now that I think about it, I just saw that and I was like, "These are some fun facts." This is like almost a segment of information. I, yeah, <laughs> that's, I could. That should have been my segment. I just talked about <laughs> this dude. This dude that's probably got like two sentences on Wikipedia. And that's the only information about him. <laughs> Long beard died in North Dakota. Probably what it says on his tombstone too. Well, I don't have a good transition into our main subject, <laughs> but I am excited to talk about it. Me too. I don't know how to pivot from long beard died in North Dakota. Uh, what are we talking about today <laughs> for our main subject? Today we're talking about RAS syndrome. Have you ever... Have you ever heard of RAS syndrome? Unfortunately, I have heard of RAS syndrome. That, that is very unfortunate. Yeah. Because it could should be called RA syndrome, but actually there's a good reason it's called RAS syndrome. It is. So RAS syndrome, R-A-S syndrome, 
stands for redundant acronym syndrome syndrome. And it is the <laughs> linguistic phenomenon in which people take the last word of an acronym and consistently say it after the acronym in a sentence. So I think we got to start with like probably the most common example, or at least the one I've heard the most, which is okay. ATM machine. Yes, that is and a ATM very, very common one. Automated teller machine, I believe. Mm-hmm. That one gets me just because I hear it the most. Yeah. But that's one of those things where if someone says ATM machine and then person two goes, did you, it's, you don't have to say machine. It's already in the acronym. <laughs> Uh-huh. The first person's going to go like, yeah, I know that because I've been told it a million times. <laughs> I'm not going to change the way I say it. <laughs> yeah. But there are probably some lesser known ones. I think so, too. Uh, one that I really like, well, or dislike, I guess, is <laughs> PIN numbers. Uh, PIN stands for personal identification number. number. Uh, so once again, I feel like I hear that one a lot. But it's interesting. I've, I've been aware of this one for a while. And a lot of times when I see it written down or like when I get a prompt on an electronic device, it will hmm. say, enter your pin. It never says a number, but it's yep. just been like added on when we speak. Enter your pin. And then someone else will be like, do you remember your pin number? Mm-hmm. Because it's the number you use when a device prompts you with the acronym P-I-N. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Another one is air traffic control tower, which I feel like if you are in aviation and you say ATC control, or I I said the whole thing out. It's ATC control tower. (laughs) It's because my brain already is reading the acronyms. Uh huh. And that's why it bugs me so much. If someone says ATC control tower in my head, it gets translated to, yeah, the air traffic control tower. Control tower. <laughs> uh huh. But if you're in aviation, hopefully you know better. Uh, yeah, I would hope so. I feel like I feel like I don't know. It. I. I don't actually have any insight to this, but it seems like something that the people who are like in that business have enough jargon for it that they wouldn't even say that. True. Like they. They'd be like, oh, them- I've been on the radio with the guys upstairs, and you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of them just say ATC. Like, you don't even have to say the building or anything. Yeah. It's just like, if you say ATC, everyone knows what you're talking about. Yeah. But that comes down to a lot of pilot jargon is mm-hmm. done for the sake of brevity. Yeah. So, if you're saying ATC control tower as a pilot, it's, you are, you are wasting, wasting syllables. <laughs> Alpha Tango Charlie. <laughs> Alpha Tango Charlie control tower. <laughs> Um, another hmm? oh yeah you can read another one all right another one that i've heard a lot is hiv virus uh hiv the precursor to the aids disease uh is human immunodeficiency virus virus that one i i hear a surprising amount in like uh if you like watch television and you get like an ad for it's like it'll mention HIV in one way or another, whether it's a medication for it or if it's like, tell your doctor if you've ever had an HIV virus infection mm. or if you are susceptible to HIV virus, 
that one is usually about 50-50, I think. Sometimes they just say HIV. But when they say HIV virus, I feel like that's your immediate red flag as a consumer to be like, <laughs> I don't think you know what you're talking about <laughs> completely. This is a sign. One that less people may be familiar with is the comic book company by the name of DC Comics. And DC, for those who don't know, is Detective Comics. That was news to me when you brought that up before the episode. I was like, I have no idea what DC stands for. And it started uh, because Detective Comics just published Batman. Okay. And Batman was a detective. So they were like, we're the company that publishes the detective comic. So we're Detective (laughs) Comics. They spent all their creativity inventing Batman, so they didn't have any left when they <laughs> yeah, named themselves. Right. <laughs> They've gotten a lot bigger since then. And I think it was almost like one of those back formation type things where DC mm. didn't just mean comics anymore. It meant like movies and TV shows and other yeah. merchandise. So when you want to specifically talk about the part of the company that does still does the comic book part, mm-hmm. they're like, well, that's DC Comics. Yeah. Another one, this one, I don't hear a ton, but I definitely have heard it, um, is LCD display. LCD stands for liquid crystal display. I think we don't hear it as much anymore because it got said a lot more when it was new technology. True. You you could go into your local store that has all the the TVs set up against the wall and you'd have Mm -hmm. some like business suit guy be like this bad boy has got an LCD display in it 42 inches wide from corner to corner (laughs) 25 hertz (laughs) full 720p yeah it's like you could see the pores Yeah, I think it's not said as much anymore because I think nowadays if you're getting any kind of display, it's assumed that it's LCD. Yeah. Although it'd be really funny if for some reason you bought like a phone, like a a cell phone that was only advertised ever from the front. (laughs) And then you get it and on the back there's just this huge box (laughs) for like the CRT (laughs) display. Like, I can't put that in my pocket. How do you even carry that around? Just get like a little backpack for it. <laughs> oh, man. If I if I ever got super rich, I wouldn't tell anyone, but there would be signs. I would invent my own phone that uses the CRT. <laughs> I would just build a phone using the most outdated technology I could get my hands on. Yeah, watch this. Oh, don't, please, keep your magnets very far away from this screen. <laughs> oh my gosh i'm like on a facetime with with a family member and their face is like distorted and pulled to a side sorry sorry i'm gonna have to hang up there's a there's a lot of other electronics in the area (laughs) oh my gosh so those are some of the most common examples of raz syndrome and Hopefully you guys, you listeners, learned learned some new ones. I know I did when mm-hmm. we were looking into this. Yeah, me too. Now you can be the, uh, um, actually guy. And 
<laughs> Actually, the D in LCD stands for display, so that was kind of dumb of you. Actually, I I heard about this on this podcast called Platonically Intimate, and they said, <laughs> "I want you, pe- I want you listeners to like quote whenever you talk about us, talk about it like that." Like, actually, Platonically Intimate told me. <laughs> Want, I want us to be like your guys' only source of information. Period. But speaking of information, Isaac, mm-hmm. do you have a poetry puzzle for us? I do have a poetry puzzle for you. Before I read poetry puzzle number two, I am going to give the answer for poetry puzzle one. If you are listening to this podcast, it is already too late to submit an answer for puzzle number one. So, once again, it was a haiku, E-G-B-D-F, separated by a face, the lines filled with space. The answer to that is the treble clef. The lines on the treble clef have the music notes, E-G-B-D and F. Uh, The spaces in the treble clef spell the word face in that order, and so... Those are some mnemonics. I just smash them together into a haiku, and uh, that's our answer. Every good boy does fine. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I will take answers such as a music staff, uh, a treble clef. That's that's the real answer. Right. Um, notes on the lines, if people know that, I think that's a pretty solid answer. So um, I'm generous. It's puzzle one. Uh, I'm just warming you guys up. For puzzle number two. We have a limerick today. Now, a limerick is a fun puzzle, or sorry, a fun poem, uh, because it's very rhythmic. Um, they are very easy to roll off the tongue when they're written well. And uh, here is the puzzle. He first built a bridge at Bordeaux, and then a green statue you know. But finally a tower, his namesake and power, that got him to study airflow. That is poetry puzzle number two. Uh, I'm looking for the name of a person. I'm just going to tell you that. Uh, If you can submit the correct answer to platonicallyintimate at gmail.com within two weeks, that is when episode three will release, uh, you'll score one point. Some of you already have one point from living in Alaska. Some of you have a point from getting (laughs) question number one correct. Uh, Now's your chance to earn another point so we're uh, we're integrating like location privilege into our scores <laughs> i accidentally said in episode one and it was just too good of an opportunity so yeah <laughs> it's it's real now now it's like a sociological experiment i'm only gonna get answers from people from alaska other people are like i have no chance and they're just not I got no, I'm, I'm already too far behind <laughs> i can't catch up all right uh with that i'm gonna send it back to joe for his segment Cool. So it's this, we didn't talk about our personal subjects at all before we recorded this episode. So this is a happy coincidence that we kind of have a theme of entomology. Uh, I always mess up saying that word, by the way. <laughs> I was I was just going to say entomology is actually something different. It is. Entomology is the study of bugs. Uh, etymology is the study of words and their origins. I need to get a section there where I talk about like the study of the etymology of entomology of entomology or of bugs in general if you do the segment then you'll remember you'll be like this is the thorax this is the abdomen yep (laughs) so i'm going to talk about folk folk etymology 
which is kind of like the large-scale version of egg corns. Okay. Um, which we talked about previously on Platonically Intimate. You can check that out on our Spotify if you haven't listened to the previous <laughs> season. Um, but folk etymology is a change in word or phrase that results from replacing an unfamiliar form of the real word okay. and putting in more familiar parts into it. Um, okay. When it's done by a single person or a small group of people, uh, we usually call them egg corns, but when it becomes the widely generally accepted uh, phrase and spelling, uh, or okay, okay. spelling, I should say, I'm talking about words specifically, then it's what we call folk etymology. Okay, so this is like tier two of egg corn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I like it's it. Egg corn leveled up into becoming folk etymology. The, the natural progression. We yeah, enough evolved. people said and typed egg corn in society for hundreds of years that everyone just called <laughs> thinks they're egg corns. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I have a few examples that, that I think are interesting. Um, the first one, uh, most of these are like, we've just language obviously evolves over time. And at a certain point we start forgetting the origin of where words came from. Mm-hmm. And we start just, assuming things that might not be true, which is mm-hmm. language as a whole, I suppose. Mm-hmm. The first one is what we would call a woodchuck, which okay. is a mammal that is native to North America. It's known for throwing wood, right? Yeah, yeah, known for chucking wood. Okay. Uh, who knows how much wood a woodchuck could chuck? <laughs> we may never know. But it's believed to have come from hearing Cree Indians uh, say their word for the animal, which is, I'm going to mispronounce this probably, but Wu-Chak. Okay. And trappers of Mm -hmm. the Northeastern during colonial times would obviously interact with these tribes a lot. And the tribes would call them Wu-Chaks. And these most likely French, uh, these French trappers who were speaking English mm-hmm. to Native Americans who also English was their second language. Yeah. Were both like, oh, it's a woodchuck. And the trapper would be like, oh, woodchuck? That's a weird word. <laughs> Why'd you put those two words together? And then they just never asked. Huh. Or by the time they found out it was a mistranslation, lost in translation, sort of. Mm-hmm. It was generally accepted. The next one I think is very interesting. Uh, female and male are not related to each other. Etymologically. <laughs> um, female comes from the Latin famella, okay. which is the diminutive diminutive form of femina. Okay. Um, whereas male comes from masculus. A totally different word. Huh. So the original Latin for female had nothing to do with masculus or massel, which eventually okay. became male. Okay. After I think it went Latin to French and then from French to Middle English. Okay. Or as Latin just went famella straight to Middle English was female. Okay. And when people started going from Middle English onwards in terms of history. Mm-hmm folk 
etymology, they're like famel. That's weird. I don't know what those parts of those words mean because I don't speak Latin, but mm-hmm. I knew know that these guys are called males. So you must be female, must be male. Nice. That makes way nice. more sense logically uh-huh. from someone who doesn't speak Latin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last one, which is one of the most interesting, is similar to that, which is bridegroom. Okay. Uh, originally started as bride guma. Oh, sorry, <laughs> brid guma. <laughs> in I believe, I believe it was Old English. Okay. Um, guma. Brid is bride. Okay. Uh, pretty straightforward. And guma came short from for like Goomba. Yeah. Yeah, Bride Goomba. They were big fans of Mario back in old England. (laughs) I don't remember where Goomba... Goomba means male, and I can't remember where it comes from. I think it comes from, like, Goom or something. Okay. At a certain point when you start researching, like, old and middle English, you're like, there's no way people actually said these things on a regular basis, right? I'm I'm thinking of Meet the Robinsons are like, hey, Goob. Goob. They all hated me. (laughs) Um, so Brid Guma eventually became Bride Gome. Okay. Because <laughs> um, Brid eventually became Bride, but was spelt with a Y. Okay. I forgot to mention. So it's like Bride, but with a Y. And it went back to Gome. And eventually, over time, people forgot. People didn't use the word Gome anymore to mean okay. a guy. And bride had already basically become the modern day word we use, which is bride. And everyone was like, gome, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, So people started saying goom. Okay. um, Just because it rolled off the tongue better. And then eventually Mm -hmm. people are like, groom? Like what you do to a horse? Like you groom (laughs) the horse? And everyone was just like, close enough. Yeah. And everyone was just like, I guess. I don't know where the word comes from. So maybe. Hmm. And eventually it became today's bridegroom, which is now shortened to groom. So if you've ever heard someone be like, yeah, he's the groom. Why do they call him a groom? (laughs) Now you know that there's like a five-step process throughout three slightly different languages as to why we call it a groom. It's because started out out as a Goomba, now I'm here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's my... uh, that's the start of my next song that I'm going to make. <laughs> it's kind of interesting that the etymologies that you just mentioned reminded me of a conversation I've had a couple times recently. Uh, when we're talking about someone who's got the riz, you know, they're just like, they're a pretty stand-up person. Everybody likes right. them. They, they got the confidence. They got the swag, you know. Um, but riz is short for charisma. Right. And a lot of people do not know that. And I think two times within the past week, I've actually been in a conversation and someone's been like, why? Like, I I was hanging out with people from like early 20s into like mid 30s. And someone who was older was like, what does Riz mean? And someone was trying to describe it. They're like, oh, they're kind of like cool, likable, like, right. I don't know. And I was, was it like, using the word charismatic? <laughs> and I was like, they have charisma. And they're like, yeah, that's a great way to describe it. And I was like, <laughs> actually. 
actually <laughs> platonically intimate told me. <laughs> oh, I love being that guy. We should maybe sometime we'll have like a main subject or something where we just have translating in between like modern lingo and mm-hmm. older. Because mm-hmm. there's this weird generational gap where I feel like there's a lot of new words where the people using the new words don't know how they came to be, but mm-hmm. they know what the new words are. And there's a lot of people who, from older generations, who don't know the new words, mm-hmm. but know the old words. Mm-hmm. We should should make a we should make our own urban dictionary. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Rural. The dictionary. guide to talking with your generational gap friends <laughs> but that's that's what i have on folk etymology like you said yeah. it's tier two egg corns uh egg corns that got so popular and widespread that everyone's just like yeah this is just what it's called i don't know why you would ever call it an acorn <laughs> acorn that doesn't even mean anything this right. this yeah. is kind of like an egg and it looks like a what corn you, it has nothing to do with corn at all what do you mean <laughs> a corn <laughs> If there's more than one a uh, uh, corn, is it a uh, corns? It's and corns. And corns. They are and corns. There's a lot of and corns on the ground. Well, there's a lot more examples of folk etymology, but uh, I would be here for 40 more minutes probably just listing <laughs> off. Nice. But those are the most interesting to me. Yeah, definitely. Learn something new in that. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed learning about OK and Raz Syndrome. And it was OK. <laughs> and I didn't even talk about the very varied meanings of OK. Oh, yeah. Uh, depending like, on the context. But OK, there's OK, the letters, there's K, the letter, there's K, K, Y. Mm-hmm. Okie dokie, which has got the most pizzazz, I think. Yeah. Got the there's most there's a, lot of, a lot of room for more stuff just didn't get there um but yeah and also about some folk etymology remember there's still time to score a point in poetry puzzles and uh we will be back yeah two, two weeks. weeks all right see you